Hello and welcome to Plot Dress. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about Marrying Winterborn by Lisa Claythus. This was published in 2016 and is the second book in the Ravenel series. We just recently reviewed the first one, Cold Hearted Rake, which does give a lot of information about this book in particular. So uh, we're excited to read about Reese and Helen. So the jacket, a ruthless tycoon. Savage ambition has brought common-born Reese Winterborn vast wealth and success. In business and beyond, Reese gets exactly what he wants. And from the moment he meets the shy, aristocratic Lady Helen Ravenel, he is determined to possess her. If he must take her virtue to ensure she marries him, so much the better. A sheltered beauty. Helen has had little contact with the glittering, cynical world of London society. Yet Reese's determined seduction awakens an intense mutual passion. Helen's gentle upbringing belies a stubborn conviction that only she can tame her unruly husband. As Reese's enemies conspire against them, Helen must trust him with her darkest secret. The risks are unthinkable. The reward, a lifetime of incomparable bliss. And it all begins with... Marrying Winterborn. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Can't handle that structure. It killed me. Second of all, um, this is not this book. I, I had no problems with the first paragraph. That was fine. Yep. Second paragraph, that's not what happens in this book. At all. No. Racist I, I don't know how to do it better. Because basically the way this book is structured, the real conflict is so spoilery, we can't even talk about it if we're going to try to keep it spoiler free. But this jacket somehow manages to make it just confusing and bad. Yeah. I would have done something more like, you know, as, okay, I'm going to use a lot of cliches, so obviously I would massage this, but it would be more like just when they think there's smooth sailing ahead, uh, a dark secret from Helen's past rears its ugly head. You know, that's what I would say. I wouldn't say smooth sailing and <laughs> rears his ugly head, but uh, no, look, but like I just th- that up. is the okay. sentiment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what was your summary lane? As usual, we wrote uh, summaries based on a random number and the number for this episode was 17. Sure. The conflict is a secret. Helen doesn't know she's keeping lame, but there's more time for sex. <laughs> So Elaine was like, look, I'm going to just tell you, there's this weird-ass conflict, all right? This book is not good. That doesn't mean I didn't like it. (laughs) I feel like like Lisa Kleypas gets us to say that more than any other author. We're like, the book itself was kind of a mess, but we also gave it five stars, so. This is not a five-star book, guys. For us, it was not a five-star but it also was not, it was not like a two-star book the way Cold Harder Rake was for us. No, not at all. This was, 
better than it should have been is the only way I can describe it. Exactly. That's exactly what this book is. So what was your 17 word summary, Meg? Oh, here, here it is. I also tried to work in a pun, so I'm very proud of it. Helen and Reese solved that pesky relationship from book one with a bang. So now what? <laughs> Sorry. Finish. I was going to say, let's see if she notices. <laughs> <laughs> the entire summary was based around um, that pun, guys. So <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it as much as Lane did. <laughs> did you finish? Yeah. That <laughs> 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 was so good. <laughs> okay. Woo. <laughs> so, Meg, what is the main trope in this one? Uh, I'm going to be honest, I didn't even, like, I couldn't even identify a a regular trope. Like, I wasn't like, this is a marriage of convenience trope. I don't know. This is a, I guess this is like a billionaire romance. I kind of had three. Yeah. It's sort of billionaire romance, rags to riches, class conflict romance, and second chance romance. I guess it is kind of second chance. It's it's just hard to see that because <laughs> I will just tell you guys, second chance is solved in the, well, <laughs> the solution is proposed in the first chapter and it is solved in the fifth chapter. So as you may recall in Cold Hearted Rake, which I'm spoiling, if you haven't read it or, and want to stay spoiler free, as usual with series, I can't stop talking about the previous ones. Um, Reese and Helen's engagement was terminated by Kathleen. Yes. Who is Helen's former sister-in-law and like current guardian, I guess. And now. Cousin-in-law. Yes. Cousin-in-law. Thank you. Yeah. So um, you think this book is going to be about them getting back together and like kind of more of a true second chance romance. So like that is the trope device here it's just that it's resolved in chapter one (laughs) and then you must be like oh my god so what's the real conflict fun fact most of the book doesn't have one yeah most of the book there's no conflict (laughs) at all yeah so like they resolve their relationship they have to convince her family to get on board again but not really a conflict that happens pretty quickly too it's not like it's not like they have to, they're like, are we, do we have to elope? Like, no, like, don't even and consider it. Then they're just like together and happy, but putting off the wedding because she's still in mourning for her dead brother from book one. And then all of a sudden, this conflict pops literally out of nowhere. Nowhere. Out of nowhere. It's like the last third of the book. Mm-hmm. And it gets very high angst, but it all takes place in like 36 hours. <laughs> yes. It's very weird, you guys. Well, and the like the weird thing to me, well, it seems to me that Claypus just was like, oh, uh, okay, like I don't have a conflict. What am I gonna do? And she just pulled this out of her butt. <laughs> because she laid the groundwork for this relationship in the first book. She could have laid the groundwork for the conflict in the first book. Yeah. 
you know, and what I'm saying is she did lay the groundwork for, for some of it. Um, but what she should have done, in my opinion, is uh, there should have been more information about Reese's sworn enemy in the first book. Also, I think if you were going to have as many coincidences as this book did, the groundwork needed to be laid in the first book. Yes. There is a person who connects Reese's past mm -hmm. with Helen's mother, mm -hmm. who happens to be a relative of Kathleen's guardians. Correct. And it's just like, no, this is one coincidence too far for me to just buy it coming out of nowhere. And it, it should have been, that's why I feel like in the first book, there should have been some inkling of it. Right. Um, just a little bit. A little bit. But, but I think she was too busy storyboarding the sex scenes. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, the number of my tropes that have to do with sex are also. Are many. All of them, I think. Yeah. All the rest, yeah. all the rest of the tropes. Yeah. So he speaks his native tongue in bed. He's Welsh. Yes. Um, she has. She has beautiful, slender hands that play the piano, but also are graceful doing other things. He thinks about her piano hands every time they're on his dick. Every time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thanks, Lenny, for explaining, explaining. I love how you just translate me sometimes. I really like that. Sometimes you're not blunt enough, Meg. <laughs> the entire plot hinges on a plan to be ruined. That's, that is true. That is not justified at all. Don't care. Don't care. Don't care. There is some secret goodbye sex that I kind of loved. Okay. Me too. Because not only is it secret goodbye sex where only one party knows they're saying goodbye, the other party knows shit that they have not revealed. The other that, party knows that, that, that it's probably goodbye sex and they're not going to let it happen. It's so good. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. One party thinks one thing and the other knows what they're thinking. But And it's rare that Megan and I are like, oh, my God, we love the lack of communication. But I mean, here you go. It was OK. We, we'll get into it. It is the, in my notes for sure, because I was like, look, normally I'd be like, oh, talk to each other, guys. But here I was like, eh, fun, you know. <laughs> um, They have a chaperone who knows they go off to have sex and does nothing <laughs> they have two chaperones who do it i love it so what did you think of this book i don't know is it a sex book i think this is just a sex book i think it's just a sex book they so the book opens with reese being heartbroken but not admitting that he's heartbroken because he doesn't feel emotions so anyway and when meg says opens we mean like the first two pages Literally, like, the first paragraph, second paragraph, he's feeling yes. kind of depressed because Helen broke up with him. And then Helen shows up, and she's like, actually, I'd like to get back together with you. And he's all, okay, I'll do it if you have sex with me. And she says, okay. And that's how this book starts. I don't, am I supposed to have a problem with this? I mean, did I have a problem with it? No. I, I had one problem so with it. What was your problem? And so she makes two demands of him. Yes. One is she needs to get home by a certain hour or whatever. And the other is she wants to replace the very ostentatious engagement ring he gave her with something that's more her. 
girlfriend picks a shit ring. Yeah, she did. She does. Sadly. I get that we're supposed to be like, this is her showing she doesn't just want him for his money or whatever, but I don't care. Yeah. I don't he, care. She was like, look, the, the, the ring you gave me was this humongous, like ginormous diamond, and I can't play the piano with it. Which, you know what? That's fair. Well, and I also get somebody from, with her temperament from her social class being like, I, this is garish. Yeah. Like, I don't feel comfortable wearing this. I'm not saying get, turning out down her first ring is the problem. Right. Picking not even a real gemstone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have, look, I like moonstones. I like moonstones a lot. I have, I actually have a honking ginormous moonstone ring. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I wear it sometimes. I'm sure it's lovely. It's very did wonderful. You ta- did you pick it instead of a pure ruby? I certainly did not. Yeah. No. Or amethyst? No. Or sapphire? Or aquamarine? Or no, diamond? None of those things. Huh. I know. Weird. Weird, huh? Almost like they're more rare. It's odd. I know. Anyway, girl, pick a better ring. Yeah, and it's the thing is if she had been like, look, I want a diamond cluster, <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, definitely. If she had just been like, I want a ring that doesn't fall sideways when I'm doing stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Then please describe to me all the different gemstones in this smaller ring. Yeah. Yeah. I would have liked that too. Thank uh, you. But whatever. It was fine. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I just was like Lane, I think a little disappointed. It just made her not very relatable. It was a missed opportunity. <laughs> Helen, we just don't relate to you right now. <laughs> that said, I found one aspect of this book super relatable. Yep. In that this entire book takes place in a relatively short span of time. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much a relationship right after the first time you've slept together. Mm-hmm. And, like, you kind of can't keep your hands off each other, even when it would be appropriate to. And, like, you're giggling stupidly all the time and, like, making, like, very much the, like, glow of a new relationship. Yeah. Or, like, the first time when you were younger, you were officially boyfriend and girlfriend. That, like, giddy, elated, oh, my God, this is my, like, it's real. And like I just Helen, want to be touching you all the time. I I really liked it. Helen is, like, this ice princess. Like, she's written as, you know, she has the best posture. She's, like, always just ramrod straight. She always yep. follows the rules, does everything she's supposed to. But, like, just being in the same room with Reese, she gets, like, all red and like blotchy it's just it's very relatable and very fun and I loved it yeah no that it was the the depiction of not the specifics of their relationship but the general sentiment of people who have finally figured out that what they feel is reciprocated and they're allowed to touch yeah is just very like oh sweet relatable yes yeah totally totally so Reese is Welsh I am going to be completely honest. I was a little bit confused about the Welsh thing. Okay. Because he's like, there's this really big deal that he's Welsh mm-hmm. and he's got a Welsh accent and he speaks Welsh. It's his, mm-hmm. his mother tongue. It's his native language. But it turns out that Reese actually just grew up in London. <laughs> like his father, the, his current department store is like where his father's grocery store was and he like made it a huge thing 
I missed that? Yeah. So I'm just like, look, I'm not denying that he would have faced prejudice and had, you know, as a Welsh person of Welsh descent. Mm-hmm. But I just, there, there seemed to me to be some contradictions in about how they say his father, he says his father would have said, know your place, stay in your place. But his father moved from North Wales to London. Right. So I, I don't, I don't get it. I just don't understand it. But I also don't care that much because I liked that he spoke Welsh. That was kind of hot. I'm not to Google spoken Welsh after this. And I, you know what I know about Welsh? I read the entire Cadfile series and Cadfile is Welsh. <laughs> and they would have all of these Welsh words in there. And there was a little Welsh um, pronunciation guide at the back of every Cadfile book. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I can sort of pretend like I know how to pronounce these words. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I'm one of those people who looks at Welsh and just gets immediately intimidated. Once you know, like, what certain letters stand for, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, just take my word for it. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I guess I wasn't paying that much attention to yeah. Welsh stuff. <laughs> Whoops. But I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just thinking of, like, children of immigrants. So, like, first generation, but, you know, they are not necessarily born in the United States, but brought to the U.S. when they were, um, you know, young, like four years old, five years old. Mm-hmm. They generally end up speaking um, English with no accent. And although they do speak their parents' language and, in fact, speak it very well because they end up translating for them, it's not right. that like their go-to language in passionate situations. <laughs> I don't think I realized he left Wales so young. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just missed that. I know. Well, they don't go into it in great detail. And look, this happens in my favorite book of the series, too, where the um, the hero is Irish, but has grown up in London and he still has an Irish accent and speaks Gaelic. So I don't know. And He's it not going to worry in, about um, it. It happened in... um. Suddenly you, too. Devlin, oh. Remember that? Devlin would speak mm-hmm. Gaelic, but really he spent most of his life in England. I don't know. I guess I'm just, I don't, I actually don't care all that much. I just was reading this book and it, it hit me and I was like, oh, is that how that happened? I mean. Fair enough. Like, once again, this is so, this book is not about the plot. <laughs> it's not. So I'm it's willing a- to let things go that I might not usually. Absolutely. Um, I love Garrett. I love Garrett Gibson so much. I love when the author telegraphs that your hero is progressive because he just hires women. He just hires women. For like most of the jobs. It, 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 there's literally a paragraph that says Reese didn't care about race, creed, gender. (laughs) He just cared that they could get the job done. And he proves it by hiring Dr. Garrett Gibson. That's a woman. (laughs) <laughs> and also his secretary is a woman. Yeah, I I think it's funny that that's meant to telegraph. Look at his progressive mind. But it's also, I think that even five years ago, 2016. Oh, my God, that was five years ago. <laughs> like, I feel like now if you threw that in, you'd have to put in something about and then how he was supporting those people within the institutions. Right. 
like now like hiring them and trusting them to fend for themselves through sheer force of confidence. Like this is not what this romance novel is about, but it just struck me when I read that paragraph. I was like, man, 2016, that was probably like, this is me telegraphing. He's a great guy. And 2021 me is like, what battles does Garrett Gibson now have to fight on her own? Yeah, right. But also um, there's this part in the book that's supposed to telegraph how, how progressive he is too, because he he's thinking of buying these new flats so that he can house his employees at reasonable rates. Yeah, which just made me think of those industrial villages where all that they were paid in the like currency of the town and they yes. basically all their money just went back to their employer. I was like, I don't think this is like the feel good moment that I'm supposed to think it is. I know. I was like, what is he going to make them all shop at Winterborns for all their food? <laughs> paid with Winterborn bucks? Yes. It's exactly what I was thinking too. <laughs> I literally just turned my brain off with the plot of this book, because if I thought too hard about it, it did not work. Yeah. Um, so I love Garrett. And then I also loved seeing, it, it's so funny. So FYI guys, I've read all the Raven Elf. Lane hasn't, it's her first time. Um, my favorite is Hello Stranger. So I was super excited as I always am to see Garrett, cause I love Garrett, but also to see Ethan, but you don't even know his name yet. I love his name. Yeah, Ransom. I had a hunch that that was the only other character I thought might be significant. Yeah. I love him. We'll get there. We will. It's very exciting. Um, so as you guys may recall from the first book, Devin, the new heir who is married to the former heir's wife. <laughs> and therefore is now cousins to Helen and her sisters. Um, oh, God. His family relationships are like. I know. He had a little brother who came out and like, fixed his alcoholism through hard work mm -hmm. and <laughs> like, let's just lay it all out. And um, I was really afraid based on the way some of the earlier parts of this book were structured that the final conflict, because I knew one had to be coming because we'd had too many chapters of just sex and happiness. <laughs> he was um, too happy and sexy. Yeah, it was just too happy. Like, okay. I was really afraid she was going to get into some sort of trouble in London and call for West instead of Reese. Mm-hmm. West being the younger brother, who was her cousin, mind you. And that that was going to trigger like a jealousy spiral in Winterborn and feelings of inadequacy and not deserving her or like just rage jealousy. And I was so glad to have been wrong. But I also am not sure why there, why there was like a two chapter sequence of like West being there and then pleading with Helen to know she can always call him if she ever needs him. Just to I'm show not you, gonna look, West is a nice guy, okay? That's all that that was supposed <laughs> to show you. I honestly think it's just supposed to continue West's character, character development. Mm. But I just, I read that scene and I was like, please do not be setting this up. So she calls him instead of Reese. And then there's like a pissing match. Yeah. And then it wasn't. And I was like, I'm actually surprised and pleased by that. Yeah. West is my second favorite book. So, you know, I'm fine with whatever West we get. I'm dreading the twins book. The. I know. So let's, let's, let, okay. Let's lay it out there about Pandora and Cassandra. Did you like anything about them? No. Yeah, me neither. They're so annoying. They're like so immature. There, there's They're one... so infantile at this point. It's concerning. Yes. I mean, there's one part where Helen is like, Helen overhears them talking about how basically they don't even understand what sleeping together means. 
like sleeping with a man. Like the concept of sex work is so far from their reality that they don't understand why a woman would lay with a man. Right. And I, I think Clefus was trying to make them a little more sympathetic to be like, see, they were so sheltered, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just thinking, I can't believe they're trying to launch them into society when this is, they're, act, they're acting like 13 year olds. Because frankly, it is one thing to not understand what the act of sex is specifically. It's another to not understand that men and women have relationships and that people sometimes seek intimacy outside of relationships. You know what I mean? Like there's, even if they didn't understand what happened during sex, to be shocked that a man would seek a prostitute for companionship is just like what is wrong with your brain yeah it's gotten to the point that they're written as if they're simple yeah it's and they're like they they were like excited to play this board game and you know how much fun it is look my five-year-old loves playing board games you know we will play it over and over and she has a really great time but she's five you know yeah and there's a scene where the twins are put in charge of a small child mm-hmm. and it was one of my most visceral reactions in the book to something other than the relationship between Helen and and Reese I was like you can't leave them alone with a child <laughs> they, they, the kid will die wait like with a bath do you want the child to drown right. <laughs> like that was my thought was actually oh Helen don't do that yeah I I I have issues with how the twins are written in the, in the first two books. Yes. And like Pandora's supposed to be all cute because she makes up words. And I feel like, I, I feel like that is a little, you know, eccentricity or a little quirk that you could have when you're 20, but the way it's written doesn't make it seem that way. Right. If this is like, a woman who desperately wants to go to school and knows Shakespeare made up words and shows she's largely self-taught at this point because she can't go to university and it's like an eccentricity born of her lack of formal schooling. Mm-hmm. I could get behind it. It's written here as like further evidence of like refusal to integrate in society or grow up. Like right. these two children are Peter Pan. Yes. They're 19 year old girls expected to marry. Yeah. So it's it's really hard for me to get into their books, actually, when we read them, because I feel like the characters are so different from how they're presented in these first two. Honestly, though, that's the only way I'm going to get through them. No, I know it it is. <laughs> it is. Lady Berwick also felt like an unnecessary addition to this text. Yeah, she was. Enough, I don't have a problem with like how she was written in the same way I do with the twins. No, I don't know the way she was written, but I agree with you that she was she was a late addition. She came in after the halfway mark, I think right around the halfway mark is when she's introduced. And that's that's too late to introduce a major character. In my opinion, especially one serving the function she does in the book. Mm -hmm. She added nothing. No. So I just there were. Pretty much anything that wasn't the main couple's romance, I didn't like, to be honest. But you mean, luckily, you mean you didn't there wasn't like, that much of that. 
You didn't like the continuation of Kathleen's character growth of being able to cry with Devin? <laughs> the second they pulled the, like, she's pregnant and emotional card, I was like, I can't do this. Did you notice that West's name was Weston? So their names are Devin and Weston? No, I, I missed that. Oh God. I <laughs> I don't know why that hit me this time. It was the same as um as Cam and Kev. Yeah. So anyway, that's all. I was just like, ugh, why do these people name their kids these things? I, I actually I think it's dumb, but I'm I, I actually like feel like this is very true to life. So I also don't have that many issues with it. I just think it's dumb, but I also think it's dumb in real life. So Yeah. They sucked. Yeah. So there's this part I really liked. So Lady Berwick is she's super snobby and like super proper. But she is so charmed by Reese when she meets him because she's like, oh, so Helen, you're marrying below yourself. And she's like, I wouldn't say that. And she's like, well, I would. And then Reese comes in and she's like, oh, oh, these Welshmen. I used to have on my father's estate, there was a Welsh footman and he was, oh, so handsome. I don't know. I was just like, all right. I bear, apparently Reese is just so good looking and so virile. No, I that. love that he like oozes animal magnetism. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the lack of communication. Okay. <laughs> it just so, doesn't matter. <laughs> there's, there's a secret. Helen has a secret that she believes will ruin her relationship with Reese. And actually several people know her secret. And she goes and she's like, when she first finds out, she's like, okay, I'm going to, I have to tell Reese. I have to tell him. And every single person that she talks to about it is like, don't tell him because he is going to, break up with you and you will be ruined and you might even be pregnant but he won't care about the kid because he's just going to drop you like a hot potato as soon as he hears about the secret of yours and she's like no I really need to tell him and like literally everyone's like nope don't tell him until after you're married because then he can't divorce you you know <laughs> like, right they're like keep it a secret as long as you can because otherwise you're going to lose this guy so she's convinced that this secret is going to ruin her relationship. She still plans to tell him eventually because she doesn't want to marry him under false pretenses. But every time she goes to tell him, she's like, if I tell him now, we won't be able to have sex again. And I want to have sex with Reese really badly. Also in fairness to her, it's a secret she's not aware of at the beginning. Mm -hmm. When she figures it out, there's no threat to them, really. Mm -hmm. There's no impetus on a time frame. Like, you could make an argument it's a problem she's working through alone when she should work through it with her partner. But the reality is, like, they haven't known each other that long. And she doesn't think any, like, harm can come to him by keeping it a secret. Right. And once the stakes are raised, everything happens within 36 hours. Right. So it's too. not like she's consciously keeping from him. And she plans to tell him once the stakes are higher. She goes to tell him once and then accidentally just has a lot of sex. And then she doesn't, she has to act on the secret the next day. Mm -hmm. Then she immediately sees him and spills everything. So it's yeah. not like 
it's not like the conflict is what they're keeping from each other in a weird way. It's just like a problem she's trying to work through on her own. And everybody scared her needlessly about how he'd take it. But it's not that she ever planned to actually keep it from him. Exactly. So that's why I guess I didn't have any issues with it. Because she's she's not like, I'm going to keep this a secret. And, you know, it didn't turn out that her keeping the secret was the conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will only just say that the secret itself and what the problem is, is really goddamn stupid <laughs> and filled with so many coincidences. And I was just, I, I didn't hate the way they as a couple handled it. Right. Book didn't need it. It was just stupid. There should have been some other conflict. I don't even know what, I, I, I don't, I don't know what the other conflict could have been. I don't know what it could have been. They alluded several times in the book to stuff going on with his mom. And then she never actually showed up or met them. So, like, you could mm-hmm. have the conflict have something to do with his family back in Wales. I'm not right. saying, like, I know specifically, but I'm just saying this as the only option seemed really ham-fisted. Okay, so, like, Especially his family, in yeah, his family right. could have done it, or, um... Kathleen's father's farm he somehow could have been involved in purchasing in a way that like might have driven a wedge between them I don't know will shenanigans like if she doesn't get married if she gets married she I don't know loses something I don't even know I don't need to know don't even know what but I'm just saying like of all of the optional this is a total throw-in conflict that I didn't actually try for it was a stupid one yeah that involved too much suspension of disbelief for me don't care. Didn't read this book for the plot. Plot wasn't good. <laughs> Very true. What offended you here, Meg? Okay. So if you listen to our review of the last book, um, we talked about this there. We are spoiling it now. So again, if you don't want to get spoiled for Cold Hearted Rake, I'm sorry. We're, we're spoiling it right now. At the end of Cold Hearted Rake, um, Kathleen goes to see Winterborn basically to break up with him on behalf of of Helen Mm -hmm. and during that he gets so angry with her that he decides the way to punish her for interfering in his relationship is to sexually proposition her and kind of not kind of sexually harass her you know sexually Mm -hmm. intimidate her and he gets interrupted by uh, Devin and Reese says he never would have touched her and he never would have acted on it. He was just trying to scare her, but, or he he was just trying to not scare her, but like he was angry and this was the way he expressed his anger. And to me, that's if the way a man expresses his anger is by sexually intimidating someone, there's a problem that that's an issue to me. And in this book, they don't deny that he propositioned her. So what he says is he propositioned her and he never would have acted on it. Mm-hmm. And he apologizes. But then what really pissed me off in this book was she apologized to him. She's like, oh, I never should have gone to your house alone like that. And I was like, no, I was like, don't like victim blame here. Well, and the other problem is I understand her inclination to apologize for speaking for Helen. Yeah. To Helen. Yes. But she could have been there telling these things to Reese at Helen's behest. Mm -hmm. That doesn't excuse how Reese reacted. 
Exactly. So, like, I am all for Kathleen apologizing to Helen. Helen. But I do not understand why, like, regardless of her motivations, why she was there, his response was horrific. Mm-hmm. The fact that she spoke for someone who didn't want her speaking for them has no bearing on his behavior. Well, and if she had said, look, I'm sorry that I went over there and meddled in your relationship, but that doesn't excuse what you did. I, mm-hmm. I, I still wouldn't have liked it, but I would have been like, okay, but here she was like, Oh, I'm to blame too. And I'm like, well, you're actually not to blame for how he reacted. Well, and that's kind of gets back into what we were pissed off about over his reaction. And we were talking in the first book about how pissed off we were that like the moral of the story seemed to be Kathleen was a shrew and needed to fix herself. Yes. And this just felt like an extension of that bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Cause she's all like relaxed and fun and, Whatever in this book too, which well, because all you need to loosen up a shrew is a good screw. Well, and put a baby in her, because then she's just um, emotional about everything. So, guys, you would think we hated this book. We didn't. Um, <laughs> we liked it a lot. Only other two things I'd flag: one, foot stuff. He's real into her feet. He's really into her feet. He likes. Oh my god, he's like really into her stockings too. Yeah, no. So every sex scene sort of had. And there's one non-sex scene where he's just giving her a foot massage that's described. Um, if you don't like foot stuff, there are some scenes that are kind of hard. He 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 wakes up after their first encounter and he slept with her stocking on the pillow next to him. And then he like breathed into it. He like huffed her stocking. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, like, like, the first time I read this book, that didn't even strike me. And then I read it this time, and I was like, ooh, I was like, this is some weird fetish stuff here. It It is borderline foot fetishy, so, like, just putting that out there, if anyone else is sensitive, like, there were a couple of paragraphs that turned my stomach. Luckily, the most t- stomach-turning foot paragraphs were not during sex scenes. Yes. There was some foot stuff during sex scenes, but it was mild enough that I could look past it. Mm-hmm. There were two scenes that were not during sex scenes that were not mild, and I didn't feel well. Yeah. Um, I, I have no problem with foot massages, so if you like foot ma- like I, I just want you guys to know that it's not like over the top foot stuff. She doesn't like give him a foot job or whatever. Right, but, right, right. No foot job. Um, and then the only other like trigger warning I'll put out there is he tells a story about people he knew, um, one of whom committed suicide upon the death of his lover. Mm-hmm. And it is in the text presented as like pretty justified yeah. in a way I was sort of troubled by. Like this book really does glamorize the my life is meaningless without you. And like all romance novels do to a degree. So we don't talk about it super often. But this one laid it on a bit thick, especially with the literal suicide parallel that they were praising. Yes. Well, he literally he literally says like there's a literal like an actual scene where he actually says, I would do anything for you if you wanted to stab a knife into my heart and cut it out. I would let you. Why does Army Hammer keep coming up? That I don't know. Okay. But so, Meg, why is this book? tolerable plus despite its flaws this book is so sexy this is this book is over the top sexy even for a clay fist. and her books are usually pretty sexy 
It was kind of overwhelming. Like I said, I was like, oh, like by chapter five, they are totally having sex. And but and there are a lot of books, I shouldn't say a lot, but I've read plenty of romance novels where like there's a sex scene and then there's a conflict that keeps them apart and you mm-hmm. get maybe half a sex scene for the rest of the book. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. There. Nope. I can't count them. Well, like you, I think you think that this book is going to be like that because they, he ruins her so they have to get married in this extended sex scene. It's very sexy. Then he takes her home and the family's like kind of pissed off and they're like, fine, you guys are re-engaged, but we're going back to the country manor, back mm. to our country seat, and you guys are going to be separated for a while. Five and months. Reese is like, here's the other thing with Claypa's Heroes that I, I guess I want to, uh, listeners, if you're listening to this and you have an, an opinion, like, let us know. I'm going to ask Lane. But her heroes are always like, oh my God celibate i can't be celibate for five weeks <laughs> five weeks really like you it's can't five months that. in this case but yeah well, it is but he's like he's like i he is like i don't know if i can handle it candle being apart from you for like two or three weeks no no, no he's ridiculous but i do understand why them being physically separated not because of the lack of sex but just like you get engaged and then you're like, you can't see each other till the wedding day, five months from now. No, no, that's, it's really tough. And, and, you know, they were, I do understand that, but that's not what he says. He doesn't say five months is really hard. He says, I can't go for two weeks without fucking somebody. And now that I fucked you, it's gotta be you. And for the record, that was incredibly inconsistently presented because it went from like, I can't go. I don't remember the last time I went a week without sex to like, my mistresses are very, far between I can find someone for a good tumble when I want to but like eh like he's not he's not presented as celibate in the alternative but he goes from like I have sex constantly with everyone I can find to eh, I'm pretty discerning yeah so and it just it makes me think of um devil in winter because it, it's the same thing remember like he literally says I can't be celibate I'm lord saint vincent <laughs> yeah so I'm like it was a little bit lord saint vincenty um, so they're separated, but then luckily for him, sadly for Kathleen, her father dies. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, Reese, family tragedy, come out, come out to the manor really quickly. So he does. And then they put him, he, they put him in a guest room that's really far away from the family wing so that they won't wake anyone up with how loudly they're fucking. And they do take advantage of it. And no, it is not paid to black. And can I tell you how much I love that Reese has zero chill when it comes to Helen? He has no stamina, this man. This is totally the, like, man who could crush the world in the palm of his hand and bring economies to a halt being putty in your hands. Yeah. Like, this is that fantasy played to a T. Yeah. But, like, this, it struck me the same. Like, the first time they have sex, he, like, there's, like, two thrusts and he's done. Mm-hmm. and then when they're in Hampshire she goes to see him and they like start there's like some foreplay and then he's like I can't and he like lies down face down on the bed to be like okay I can't have any sensation and then she just like lies on his back and he's like don't touch me you're gonna make me come and I'm like wait just from like lying on his back but I was like hey you know what I'm cool with that especially because he doesn't and then he, he makes it good for her Is that right 
I don't know. I I loved I loved the juxtaposition that he he had no chill and like no stamina. But mm. of course, she came like 15 million times before he did. So he got the job done. Yeah, exactly. This this is the kind of fantasy shit I love in a romance novel. Yeah, I'm glad you put this in the notes. The Georgia O'Keeffe shit was a little much. <laughs> so Helen raises orchids. She's an orchid. Uh, there must be a special word for it, an orchid gardener. I'm, I'm not actually going to look that up right now. Yeah. yeah so there is literally a scene where he's like fingering her and going down on her. Where they talk about the scientific name for parts of the orchid, except it's her anatomy. Like her labia is something and her clit something and her vagina is something. And I was like, I could do without this. And there's another scene where they name all those same things in Welsh. Yes. Like the number of sex scenes where it was just like, what do you call my clit now? Was like, I'm hard pass. It's but the okay. answer. She's an orchidist, apparently. So this is an orchidist. This is the word used by orchid fanciers. (laughs) So I would say that um, Reese is an orchid, an orchidist, but just for Helen. If you get what I mean, wink, wink. (laughs) Yeah, it's. Verge is on the uh, I now I'm going to educate you trope. It didn't cross that line for me. I also didn't find it sexy. I think it walked up to that line. It towed that line, but it didn't go up because he didn't like pull out a mirror, you know, <laughs> to be like, see how it looks like an orchid? Well, and she was the one naming the parts. Yeah. I think if he'd been mansplaining orchids to her while going down on her, I would have been not here for it. But I think the fact that he was describing things to her and she was naming it, once again, still not sexy, but prevented it from being as cringe educational as it could have been. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But this book is extremely sexy, though. Yeah, honestly, I think I only recommend this book if you're like, I want heat. This book is a torture. This book does not have a man on the cover. It has a woman in a wedding dress from a scene that never happens in this book. Yeah, because she goes to get fitted for the wedding. And And, they don't. They just fuck instead. uh, But I want to state that it's a no nipple cover because there's no man on it. But if there was a man on it, it should be two nipples. The inside. The step back is no nipples. Well, I can't tell if that's like supposed to be the shadow of one on this pack. Either way, the point is the nipple system fails. Oh, here. I think it is a one nipple. Either the nipple system fails fails here. Failed. This is a book I would recommend exclusively if you're like I want to be not distracted by plot. <laughs> if you want a super charming, hot Welsh hero who has no chill for the heroine this is this book this book is like 340 ish pages and i would say literally a hundred of them are sex scenes oh i would i'm not even exaggerating no no i totally agree so like that is the appeal of this book take it or leave it but like that's how i'd recommend if you're like plot nope don't read this 
You're like well-developed secondary characters and relationships. Helen has no friends. <laughs> well, no, there's Garrett. There's Garrett. Who she meets two-thirds of the way through this book. I know. I just like Garrett a lot, so, you know. This is not, these are not characters with rich external lives, people. The, no. I mean, that's Helen's whole personality is that she doesn't have friends. Wouldn't, doesn't appeal to me in a heroine if I'm reading a book for the story. Right. But if you're reading a book for the sex, why would she have friends anyway? Well, and the concept of just being totally pampered for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like, he builds her a greenhouse for her orchids, so you know they fucking it. Oh, my God, Lane. Speaking of being pampered, what was in that headache powder? She gets a migraine, and do- the doctor gives her this better-than-headache powder stuff, specifically for migraines, that not just cures her migraine, but basically makes her drunk. And she, like, gets high. I, I was like, if this, if I... I don't know. I, I kind of wanted it. <laughs> you know, like those days you have a bad headache. and. I mean, the only thing that the book disclosed is that it had caffeine in it. It had caffeine. I'm wondering if it also had cocaine. And nitrate. I'm wondering if it was coke as well. Yeah. So um, say no to drugs. Say no to and drugs. You- headache powder. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> thank you guys so much <laughs> for listening. We would love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, and also check us out around the internet, Goodreads slash Plattress, or Instagram at Plattress.